everyone. For those who don't know us, my name is Naya Swami Anandi. This is Naya Swami Devi. We'll begin this morning with a reading from Rays of the One Light, which are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, written by Swami Kriyananda. <clears throat> this week's reading is called Many Are the Pathways to Truth. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. On the dedication page of Swami Kriyananda's book, The Path, appears the following account. A group of Paramahansa Yogananda's disciples had gone with him to see a movie about the life of Gyandev, a great saint of medieval India. Afterwards, they gathered and listened to the master explain certain subtler aspects of that inspiring story. A young man in the group mentioned another film he had seen years earlier in India about the life of Mirabai, a famous woman saint. If you'd seen that movie, he exclaimed, You wouldn't even have liked this one. The guru rebuked him. Why make such comparisons? The lives of great saints manifest in various ways the same one God. The Bible contains a similar account in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 9. And John said, Master, We saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. The more central a truth, the greater the number of contexts in which it can be applied. Truth is like a pure white light containing within itself the full spectrum of the rainbow. Let no one tell you what your path to God ought to be. Many are the paths. Select your own according to the dictates of your own nature, no matter how out of step that puts you with other people. Sri Krishna, in the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, states, Trying, even unsuccessfully, to fulfill one's own spiritual duty, dharma, is better than pursuing successfully the duties of others. Better death itself in the pursuance of one's own duties. The pursuance of another's duties is fraught with spiritual danger. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning, everyone. Those of you who know us, I usually give service with my husband, Joe Tish, and he's recovering from surgery, but he's doing very well. And um, 
very getting better every day. And we have this afternoon we're officiating at a wedding, so he he's taking the morning off so he can help us celebrate Badri and Gita's wedding. So I'd like to start by reading a prayer poem from Yogananda's beautiful Whispers from Eternity. This is Demand to travel by the one highway of realization. Our one Father, we are traveling by many true paths toward thy one abode of light. Show us the one highway of common realization where all bypaths of theological beliefs meet. Make us feel that that the diverse religions are branches of thy one tree of truth. Bless us that we enjoy the intuition-tested, ripe, luscious fruits of self-knowledge hanging from the many branches of true scriptural teachings. In thy one temple of silence, we all sing to thee a chorus of many-voiced religions Teach us to chant in harmony with thy love's manifold expressions that our chorus of souls rouse thee to break thy vow of cosmic silence and lift us onto thy lap of universal, immortal understanding. That's a beautiful phrase, universal, immortal understanding. doesn't seem to characterize the times in which we live very much, does it? We live in challenging times. We live in times where forms of religious belief and political belief are pitted against each other in, with violence and hatred, perhaps unknown certainly in my lifetime. And yet it's helpful to understand why This is happening now. Our gurus speak of a changing of the ages that we're living in now. We're moving from an age called Kali Yuga or the Dark Age where things are fixed in form into an age of energy where form begins to dissolve and people understand that it is the consciousness behind things, not their form, that gives them meaning. And so um, Ananda's founder, Swami Kriyananda, put it very well. He said, the rise in fundamentalism globally that we see in all religions is because the old forms of the former age, the old forms of religious belief, of political belief, are being animated by this new energy of Dwapara Yuga, this new age that we're living in. And so we see it seems to be an age of extreme confusion and loss of values and loss of meaning, but we need to have a long-range view of it. We need to understand that we are coming through a tunnel, a tunnel that seems filled with the opposite of universal understanding and truth, where it just seems there is no truth anywhere to be found. But we're moving through this. We were at our community in Assisi earlier in the summer in July, and we were talking with our community there, and 
this image came to my mind, which I found amusing and very appropriate in this context. I said, you know, when we see these, the rise of fundamentalism in religion, it's like dinosaurs on steroids. You know, they're these big lumbering forms, and they seem so filled with energy. But the age of dinosaurs passed. It passed long ago. And this age of intolerance and bigotry and fundamentalism in politics and religion, it will pass because we are, whether we like it or not, whether we understand it or recognize it or not, we are moving into an age of greater understanding and enlightenment. And what can we look to as solutions then? You know, we, as I said, we were in... Um, Italy in July, and we were touring around. We took our 16-year-old granddaughter with us, and so we were seeing a lot of touristy things that we usually don't do when we go to Italy, where it's more teaching and serving and so forth. But we went to the Vatican and to see the museum there. And what a monument to religion locked in form. I mean, it just it seemed just a, a huge embodiment of religion as, that has been encased in wealth and power. And I felt very, very little inspiration, very little spirituality there at all. And then we went to Assisi, the home of St. Francis. And a, a, we've been there many, many times over these last years. Ananda has a beautiful international community outside of the city of Assisi. But some friends, there's always something new to discover. It's so alive. Whereas the Vatican, it's, it just felt frozen in time, carved in stone. And then it, but in Assisi, there still is the life of spirit. And um, some friends of ours who live there took us to this little, little church that we had never been to. I believe it was called St. Stephanos. And it was up a little side street, one little room, one little stone room, some little wooden benches. But it was built in such a way that they said they wanted to make it especially quiet for prayer. And you go into this little stone room, very simple altar, no decorations. We were the only ones there. And you could hear the sound of spirit. You could hear the vibration of Om. And it was so filled with the living presence of God. I thought, okay, here's where spirit lives. It lives in the simplicity and in the formless worship of God. And when we look at the history of religion, it's always self-correcting. It will start off with a thrust of inspiration. And even the life of St. Francis, he, was, he lived in the, uh, the 11th century, <clears throat> and he was born in a time where the church was becoming in, embedded, locked into power and wealth. And he was a simple, joyful, elevated soul. And he had a vision of Christ. And Christ said, rebuild my church, which as you can see is falling into ruin. And St. Francis thought it meant 
build, he was in a little ruined chapel. He thought it meant put stone upon stone and rebuild this little chapel. But what Christ was saying to him was, the spirit of my church is lost. The devotion, the freedom of, of belief and the, the freedom from rituals and anything ornate and fixed and, and uh, that doesn't allow the soul to move with freedom. And so Francis, even at that time, gave rebirth to the spirit of Christianity. But throughout history, when uh, at the time Christ came, the Jews were very fixed in laws and rules and everything had to be done by the book. And then Christ came. And he said, Moses brought you the law, but Christ came to bring you truth and grace. And that's what we're looking for. We're not, when we want to look, how do we find our way out of bigotry and fundamentalism? It's not through honing down on the laws. What does this book say? And what does this scripture say? And, but truth and grace. And what, are, what is truth and grace? Truth doesn't belong to any time. It doesn't belong to any country or race or religion. Truth is the very fabric of which, um, upon which creation rests, the very foundation upon which creation rests. In the song that our singers sang at the beginning of the service, they said, um, the world may change or disappear, but truth can never die. And in India, they have a beautiful phrase for it. They call their name for religion. It's not Hinduism. That was something that the West put on them because of the Indus River. They call their religion Sanatan Dharma, the eternal religion or eternal righteousness, eternal truth. And that truth is like a golden thread that weaves its way through all the world religions. And part of Yogananda's mission to the West, our guru's mission to the West at this time, was to show that the underlying unity of all religions, and you may think, well, not much movement has been made in that direction, but we will pass through this time. There will come a time where people can... The, the scales will fall from people's eyes and they will recognize Hindu and uh, Muslim and Jew and Christian and Democrat and Republican. Really, they're all taking political stances now. They're all the ego saying, this is what I believe. And as long as politics or religion are based on the ego, it can never find truth because it's, it's limited by our own little perspective. But if we approach religion, not what do I believe, what, how have I been raised, but what is real? What, what is underlying the reality of my being and of all being? So as long as religion is locked, is separated, is divided by egotistical perspective, it won't be based on truth. But when it is based on looking for commonality, not what do I believe, but what is real. And, you know, we've been so fortunate in 
this wonderful community of Ananda, not just here, but globally. Because it's living your faith. It's living your belief. Because here we have several hundred people living in this community, but throughout the world. And what holds us together is a desire for truth. Not what do I want, not what do I believe, not anything I think this is right, but what is truth, what is real. And the more we can approach our life that way, the more we can be looking all the time for the underlying connection with all of life. It, life becomes such a glorious thing. Life becomes a never-ending opening up of our consciousness and we are able to experience an underlying beauty and truth. And we've had, the, my husband and I and many of us in this room, have had the great blessing of traveling with Swami Kriyananda throughout the world. And he's a man who has dedicated the last 60 plus years of his life in the search for truth. And rather than making him wedded in his own beliefs, wherever he goes, people recognize him as a friend, as a brother, as someone they can share with, as someone who understands them. And the acceptance of every belief, every religion, every point of view as having validity. Yogananda said um, that God is center everywhere, circumference nowhere, meaning that there is no limitation on what we see as truth. It's that truth is centered in every reality. And it's such a freeing experience when we start to realize that I don't have to defend what I believe. I don't, I mean, this seems, flies in the face so dramatically of what we see going on in the world today. But whatever is, is. If I believe something, if that truth resides within me, what difference does it make what anyone says about it? If I know it to be true, it's, and the reality is, it's only when we are unsure and insecure in our beliefs and our faith that we have to defend it. But if we, you, uh, when we were in Rome, we went to the Colosseum, and again, a place, incredible, amazing engineering. But what happened there? You know, you just feel the, one can almost see it in one's mind eye, the Christian martyrs, <laughs> tied at the stake and releasing the, the hungry animals to ravage them and devour them. But if they were centered in their faith, it was all right. Because the body will go, the body may suffer, but truth and the truth of our own being can't die. So the more we can stand in the confidence without having to justify it, to anyone else, the more we can do that, the more we are free. People may misunderstand us. They may condemn us. They may persecute us. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. 
because the only safe place to stand in this world of shifting sands is in the truth of our own being. Everything else can go. Everything else can be taken away. But the truth of our own being cannot be diminished and cannot be taken away. And when you begin to realize that, there's such freedom in that. And the great saints were just so much themselves. They weren't trying to please or impress anyone. They were just themselves because they were resting in the truth of their own being. So Sanatan Dharma, that eternal religion, Swami Kriyananda put it so beautifully. He said, if all life on earth was extinguished, Sanatan Dharma would still exist on the farthest planet at the edge of infinity because it's not based on belief. It's based on what is. And there is such comfort in that, that our, the reality does not have to be validated by our acceptance. It just is. And all we need to do is align ourselves with that. But then, in the passage we read this morning, it also talks about, from the Bhagavad Gita, that we need to find our own dharma. It said, far better to fail at your own dharma than to succeed at someone else's. And what a challenge this is. Because we see someone leading a life, and oh, that might be good, and that might be good, and maybe if I acted that way, and maybe if I dressed this way. You know, I, I, we were waiting in a doctor's office recently, and Jyotish, there weren't many magazines around, and he said, do you want to look at People magazine? I said, you know... I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> I, I just can't look at People magazine anymore. It's just a house of mirrors. Just like, who looks like this, and who looks like that, and this and that. And, and it, it just, it's a world so broken up and so fractured that there's no peace there. But when we start pulling back and saying, who am I really? And what, how does God want to sing through me? How, how can I further this truth of my own being in this world and not what it looks like on the outside? This is really the goal of all of our lives, to find out who we are and to live that based on the peace and the genuineness of our own being. Genuine. And again, it's been such a blessing to live in a spiritual community like Ananda. For those of you who are visiting here, come when you can, or join our virtual community, which is a growing network of people worldwide who can be connected through our online services. But I remember one of the very first days I came here, 1969, I, I just graduated from college, and I was trying to figure out... And, and really, uh, people often ask me, well, why did you come to Ananda? And all I can say was, God brought me here. I had no idea what I was doing. Or I had no idea why I came, but God brought me here. But as soon as I came, I, re- I remember the moment where I took a deep breath. This was in the first few days. And I just thought, I don't have to play games anymore. 
I don't have to try to impress anybody. I don't have to try to put up a front of self-identification that I think is what is expected of me. I can just be myself. And all these subsequent years, it's been such a joy to live that way, to find what's real for me, what's meaningful. What, how can God serve through me? Maybe he can serve way better through somebody else. It doesn't make any difference at all. What can, how does God want to come through me? And so in our looking at our own dharma, and it doesn't matter if we succeed or fail, that's the beauty of it all. The search for God is not about winning. It, it's not a competitive sport. It's not that some people are closer to God than other people, and that takes up all the room at the front of the line. <laughs> Quite the opposite. The search for God is about, honestly, I'll tell you, I think it's more about failing than succeeding. Because in failure, we touch the feet of God. When we succeed, we think, oh, I did that, I'm pretty good. But when we fail, all we can do is say, God, show me the way, because I can't do it by myself. And so the more we can just embrace the mistakes we make, the failures we experience, the setbacks, and just keep saying, God, all I want is to live in thy truth. I'm tired of the, the shifting sands of this world. They, they give me nothing in the end. But I want to know who I am. I remember some years ago, I was camping. We were camping. And I was taking a little nap. We had one tent where we were camping that was just like a mosquito net tent so you could see all around. There was a beautiful lake nearby. And I went into a very, very deep sleep, like a super conscious sleep. And in the sleep I could feel I was being led forward, kind of out of my body, to look in this mirror to see who I was And I looked in the mirror, but it was all obscured. And I thought, why can't I see? But I heard within me kind of a guiding voice saying, that will come, you will see, but not yet. And so for all of us, let's keep trying. Keep trying to see who we really are, not uh, not defined by gender or age or work or friends, or relations, or anything else. But who am I? And the more we can feel God revealing that to us, we did that beautiful chant, reveal thyself. Well, we could also think of that, reveal myself. Because you know in the end, it's the same. The God that we call to is our true self. And if we can't see it yet, we just have to keep refining our vision till we realize that our dharma is only an expression of God's presence within us, of his kindness, of his joy, of his love, of his compassion, of his strength, all of those things. And then we look at the world around us. There's a beautiful quote, by Gandhi that said, we must become the change we want to see in the world. 
And if we want to see a world that's filled with harmony and universal brotherhood, we need to find that within ourselves and quietly walk that and give that and bless others with that consciousness.